Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley. Back again to chat about another week of Supercoach. Round 7 has gone. Round 8 is coming up. And I couldn't think of a better person again on the podcast this week than Big Billy. Mate, been a couple of weeks. How have you been travelling? I think that you had the, the teddy curse that I had on the weekend and we both broke him. Yeah, mate. Let's just say there's been a death in the family. I think it's me. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I was actually having my best round of the year. I was about... I'm pretty sure that I was uh, eight for 798 without a captain being played yet. So I thought that I was up there for a 1500 score. And then it just gradually started going to shit. You know, where like, you know, Laurie pumps out a 33. You get a couple of other guys that don't quite step up to the mark. And then you get the Teddy HIA live scoring of 10 points. And you just go, wow, like what could have been? (laughs) Ended up with a small increase, but I expected just to get rockets. And I ended up with just, you know, some roller skates up the block. Yeah, exactly the same, mate. Um, I know projectives don't sort of mean very much at the beginning of the season, but when you've got your, when you're sort of six or seven rounds in and yeah, most of your players have played those six or seven rounds, your projectives are, are a little more around the mark. And I had, um, I think my projective was six deck, sorry, 1592. So I was pretty excited about a big week. And then, <laughs> yeah, we all know what happened, mate. Just one of those weeks, eh? Yeah, it really was. And it's sort of, it's, it's also more annoying because it's one of those weeks where, you know, when you, when you nail so many things, those are the weeks that you really need to rock it because that's your week. Like it's, it's very unlikely that this week will go, go as well as what last week did for me. You know, like I had Mike Acevo's 157 and I had Fafita's 155 odd or whatever it was. And both of those guys I thought about VCing last week, but, I went the super, super safe route of just going, oh, look, I'll just keep the VC on clear. He's been going well. Reality is, and that's something to learn for me. Like, I, I haven't probably been looking at my VC as as much or spending as much time on it as what I probably should because had I have done that the last few weeks, I probably would have gone for a lot more potish VC options like the Fafita and Sivo that I thought about last week because I think that's really what you've got to do with your VC a lot of the time. But I didn't. I've just been really lazy and kept it with the with the safe option because I kind of felt like my C and Teddy was going to go really well, you know, and, you know, you get these big scores and Gutho throws 117 as a pod as well. Uh, but then, you know, the VC thing, I think, really undone me for this week, and that's something that I'm going to take out of it. I'm really going to focus on my VC a little bit more time looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Give, give yourself a bit of a bit of a break, though. I mean, remember, a VC really needs to go over sort of 130, in my opinion, for it to be worthwhile, um, purely because of the um, the heavy fluctuations and the high scores that you got from guys like Pappenhusen and sort of Teddy. So, um I mean, if you're taking a, a VC at sort of 110, you basically have to cut something, cut the sentence recorded, it's averaging sort of 60 to do it. So then you see really only sort of 65. So I think 130 is 100% the new sort of VC standard. And a guy like sort of Fafita really needs to go over the line, what, two or three times to get that. So if you can see him doing that versus, versus uh, the Rabbitohs, mate, it's uh, power to you. Yeah, I was talking about it with Luke on the podcast last week, and I really did. Like, I didn't think that the Rabbitohs edges were, were that good. Uh, I kind of, I think I said on the podcast, I think they're a bit overrated as far as 
a tough super coach team for guys like Fafita to play against. Um, so I was really, I was really in on it. Um, I was certainly in on, on Sevo scoring a couple of tries, but you know, it's just, it's one of those things where there was two guys that I had over 150, but I think the annoying thing was that the guy that I would have ended up as my AE was the guy that I played anyway, Laurie, with his 33. So it's like, it just yeah. all fell apart. Anyway, these things happen. Yeah, yeah, sure does. But just to put it in perspective, um, I was, I was, I was coaching the kids on Friday night and, um, I ran over to the phone just to have a quick look while I said, I think it was about the 50 minute, 55 minute mark. And I said to the dads down there, I said, guys, have a look at this. Um, for feeder, 11 runs in 60 minutes, three line breaks, three tries. So basically two hit ups for one point, then basically a 42 point hit up. <laughs> the guys was the freak. Oh, he just, he absolutely killed it. And really, we saw some massive scores on the weekend from uh, several players. Before we get into that, though, because that is going to be our first topic of discussion, I do need to mention our major partner, Top Sport. Top Sport are a fantastic betting agency in Australia that everybody should get on board with. If you are going to gamble, do so responsibly. But if you're going to do it, definitely do it with Top Sport. They are 100% Australian-owned and operated, which is fantastic. They also often have best odds in market. Their NRL markets are absolutely top-notch. I did some comparisons last week where you could get uh, guys like Brian Toto for 30 cents better as any time try scorer compared to some of the other top uh, markets like Sportsbet had. And they'll do that all year. So if you are going to jump on, make sure that you do use the promo code for this podcast, SC All Stars, or one word. That way they know that you're one of our listeners and they know to take care of you, and they certainly will, especially with some NRL stuff down the track. Uh, but Top Sport, love them, get on it, great supporter of the pod- podcast. But now let's continue on with what we're going to start off the podcast with. And that is our discussion that we just started having about the round. Now, this round seven, to put it in perspective... Uh, we had a huge amount of top scores that were just out of this world, but we ended up with 16 players scoring 100 plus. And I think that the biggest thing with that was the majority of those 16 players were all very ownable players. Uh, but we also had four players that were 125 plus and two players 150 plus. Pretty rare that you get two players that are 150 plus in a round, and those are obviously Siva at 157 and Fafita at 153. But it was a really big round as far as scores go, but it's a trend, Billy, that we've actually seen quite a bit this year. And when you have a bit of a look at it, we currently have a total of 72 players who are who are gun status. They're averaging 60 plus. And that is with the qualifier that you had to play uh, three games plus, um, which I think I left Turbo off the three games plus barometer because he's a gun of the past. So I'm just going to use him in there as a criteria. But 72 averaging gun status at the moment. Compare that to last year, and obviously it was a full season last year, when you're looking at guys that were sort of three games plus, we only ended up with 57 guys. So that's a significant difference, you know, and some people might say, oh, it's only like a 15, you know, difference. That's almost a 30% increase on guns as far as the general criteria of a gun being 60 plus. We've said a few times with different people jumping on this podcast that the scoring is up this year, obviously balls in play a lot more. But we are seeing really big scores starting to come to the fray. But I think one of the things being missed in that, and some of this comes down to the chasing points that is starting to happen, there is now such a large volume of guns to choose from that one of the Achilles heels of Supercoach that a lot of veteran Supercoaches haven't liked over the years isn't there. And that is that all the teams are the same. We now have a point where 
we can have some really point of differences. And I think that we're going to see some teams really start to rock it different ways because you can have so many different options. Last week, me and Luke Garrity spoke about half a dozen different fullback options. We also, during the, the TLT, spoke about other options like Gutho, who went well last week too. And that's just in the fullback spot. Obviously, you know, there's other spots as well, like the forward spots, there's a lot of different options too. But, mate, a lot of guys that are averaging 60 plus and a lot of tons are starting to crop up in these rounds. The ball's in play an extra 7% of the time. You've got to multiply everyone's scores by 7%. And you class a gun at 60, I class it sort of 65. So take uh, last year's, sorry, yeah, that's from pre-COVID, so 2019, and you apply 7% to 65, you're probably looking at sort of a, just around sort of 70 months. So 70 is really the new gun status. So I think you're just shuffling things forward a bit further for the new rules. I think you'll find that that sort of, um, number is still quite contained for the guns, but I will give you the one. I will, will uh, concede that point. I think the new rules are really open it up uh, for a lot more tired. I was seeing so many sort of hundred scores, not from just guns, but you know, any man who's dogged that might have a soft run. Yeah, well, look, I I do agree that seventy is sort of the new gun status, but a lot of these guys that are that are doing sixties, like, I I like the traditional terms. I'm a traditional sort of man. The, the traditional gun criteria was always 60 plus, and I like to hang with that. But a lot of those guys that are 60 plus, uh, they're guys that are putting up tons and they're very, very, very ownable. Like, I mean, Sebo, for instance, is a, a 64 average um, centre wing, and he's going fantastic, but he's a guy that's not averaging 70, but he's just through up 157. You know, Jerome Hughes is similar, where he's sort of towards the, the mid 60 mark, but he's just thrown up 100. 25 points as well that round. So there's a lot of definitely plug-and-play sort of gun types as well that you can throw in for some runs, but it's made it for some really interesting scoring. I think that it's going to make it more wide open. Like, don't you think that we're going to be starting to look at a little bit more differentiation between the teams as well because of the amount of scoring that's happening? Well, it does. Um, uh, use you as an example. You've got Sivo and Gutho at the back. Um, you were struggling earlier, but I think, you know, obviously injury comes into the equation, but Guys like that can sort of lay to spread the cash around a bit more. Um, I think if you look at the, this week's winner, I think that kind of uh, shows how you can capitalise on pods and soft draw. I mean, guys, the, the, this week's winner scored 1,600 points, basically loading up on, was it, eels and titans and, and half a dozen blokes that aren't in many people's teams to be, just because they have the soft draw. So if you can capitalise on picking a couple of pods here and there, it's, it's a really good way to get up the ladder, more so this year with, with the leniency and the rules. Yeah, and I think the quality of those pod moves is a lot higher um, because of all of that as well. Uh, you know, you've got a lot more chance for those to sort of come off and come off big. You know, guys that can score 120 this year were sort of guys that might have only given you 80 or 90 last year, and you're getting those real yeah. captaincy VC option type of scores from them that you weren't probably in the past pre-COVID sort of rule changes. So it's really interesting. Um, one of the so one of the things that we're going to talk about on this podcast for everyone is we're going to have a quick buy planning chat uh, because it's starting to come up more and more. So that's going to be a little strategy segment at the top of the podcast. After that, we're going to go into our standard market watch where we're going to be looking at the trading and then we're going to do a TLT review. So, Billy, let's start off with the buy planning a little bit. Um, there's obviously now coming into round eight. Uh, we don't have too many rounds until we're going to hit that round 13 mark where we're going to hit the buys. Now, some head-to-head teams are not going to bother with any buy planning. That's fine. This is obviously not going to apply to them too much. But 
a lot of people, even in head-to-head, still want to go well in the overall classic sense of the word, and that's going to really differentiate teams come to that buy period. And what we probably find a lot every year is definitely casual or new super coaches will wait until they get to the buy and then realise that they can't fix their team enough to be competitive in that buy period. But certainly even some veteran super coaches uh, have it creep up on them a little bit too fast and maybe they're, you know, focusing on making money or, or they keep putting things off until they get to like round 11 or 12 and then go, oh no, I really need to hurry up and uh, and start to do this planning now. One question that I keep getting from a lot of people and seeing up there when people are looking at trades and stuff, certainly with Market Watch this week as well, is how early should you be thinking about the buy round coming up? And for me, I think it's a balancing act. I think 100% though for me, I'm looking at it from now. I think now is kind of the week to start to switch on to the buy because, you know, we've only got five rounds, round 13. Now, obviously, you can have a few trades in round 13 as well, so you can take that into account. But five rounds isn't a lot before we hit that 13 trading period because you've obviously got must-have cheapies that come up. Um, you've got guys that you want to balance scoring some good points for that period as well that might not play for the buy. So for me, I'm definitely having a look at it at the moment. Um, I don't think that you have to make all your trades for that buy period, but you certainly have to have it front of mind, especially when there's value options coming up that are going to play round 13. The answer is you really need to be planning for round one, not now, but it's not a uh, be-all, end-all if you haven't done it for now because it just means that people who started in round one probably had maybe one or two key players set and forget that, that kind of save them the trade. Um, like, uh, for for example, sort of um, Barnett was a, was one reason um, why lots of people got him in early as well as the Kiki. So people like that, you can just sneak, sneak in early, like Madison as well to start, to start the season. But if you don't have guys like that, then 100%, then probably last week, the week before, is where you want to start picking off the guys like um, like Tuo is, is, a, is a no-brainer that everyone, everyone wanted to get in. But if he wasn't absolutely killing it and he was averaging around 62, 63, then and had a low break even, then these are the weeks that you just kind of pick off guys like sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, him and TPJ, like a... Uh, uh, got Kelly guys that have sort of a reasonable price, a decent run to sort of get in. And it's not about just um, uh, getting them all before the buys. It's looking for their matchups as well because you need to remember that you have to play them between now and then also. So factor in what you think they're going to score there too. Don't get them too early. Yeah, and that's a really important point because the next thing is balancing your points versus, you know, making sure that you set up for your buy. And I had this discussion with a few people online because one of my trade targets this week that I'm highly likely to bring in is Valentine Holmes. Uh, and now I'm going to talk about him more stats-wise when we get to the Cowboys and TLT, but Valentine Holmes is someone that doesn't play around 13. Uh, and, and Laurie was a guy that I was going to look at trading out. Um, and that was sort of... A few people sort of said, well, you know, I kind of want to hold Laurie because he's going all right and he's going to play around 13. Whereas for me, it was, yeah, it's not about Laurie being bad. And if I could hold him, I would. But it's still a long way before we get to that buy. And the points that Valentine Holmes is going to score over that period, I think are going to be way, way, way more than what Laurie's going to score. And even if you include Laurie's round 13 score and have Val sitting that round, after round 13, I still think Val would have scored more points over that period that I've owned him than what Laurie would have. So I'm, I'm up on points. I, you've got to be really careful not to sacrifice this period of scoring by saying, oh, I'm going to get this guy even though I know that he's going to score, you know, 10 or 15 points a week less because he plays round 13, so I've got to get him in. You can't do that either because these weeks leading up to the bye 
are more important than the actual buy is. You just have to be making astute purchases where you can, where they are going to play the buy. TPJ is the best example of that this week. He's a guy that plays the buy, is a keeper that you can leave there as well, uh, but he's also a value purchase. So you know you're going to be paying more for him later anyway. He would be a buy in the buy-sell sense of the word buy without that buy period cover coming up that he has. That's just a bonus on top, which should tell you to get him in now because you're going to need him in round 13. But certainly you've got to be really careful not to sacrifice points between now and then by making lower player decisions just because they're playing round 13. Yeah, 100%. Count all the points between now and then, but also post that because you have to play them in round 14 as well. So if you get all, if basically put it this way, if you don't buy a plan at all and you only have to have four players for um, uh, round 13, and might, that, all, that might be just as good because if all your guns back up, then you've got full strength, whereas all the buy players have to play guys like Staines and, and, and Co. So quality over quantity is the only thing I'm going to add there. And with quality over quantity, Billy, what sort of numbers do you normally aim for for the buy? Like if I want to make it a, a decent shake at the buy period, I want about 12 to maybe even 13 and that, that number's going to increase if it's less quality. So, I mean, if I know that out of those, I've got like five or six plebs that are going to be terrible anyway, just because maybe they were cashies in my team or whatever, then I probably want more quality in that 12 or 13. I think that's probably a pretty decent number where you can have a good score. Yeah, 100%. That's the way I'm going. I've always aimed and mostly had 17 for every sort of buy round. Um, but the problem is what happens is you come into sort of the first buy round, you have injuries, and all of a sudden the guys that you're playing for um, don't play that round and you've also had to play them you know, a couple of weeks leading up and then you're stuck with those guys um, uh, for, for the week after as well. And people who are head-to-head and haven't buy planned at all go in with sort of 11 players and outscore your full 17 and all of a sudden you're stuck with sort of a slightly lesser strength team than what they have coming out the other side of the buys. I usually end up going into rounds sort of 15 or 18 with sort of absolutely loaded and find uh, you know myself scoring sort of an extra two, three, sometimes every 400 points more than what others are um, that haven't buy planned. But the problem is they're usually in the top 500 and I'm, I'm going from sort of 5,000 up to sort of 1,500, but I can't catch them. So the moral of that story is uh, don't plan too hard, just quality over quantity and just try and stay within reach um, between now and leading up to the buy and then just have a good 12 or 13 and get you through it. Don't carve up your team too much. Yeah, because like if you end up with 17, but seven or eight of them aren't going to be guys that are either keepers or fringe keepers that you can have as 19th or 20th men, then you're really leaving yourself in trouble because that's, you know, seven trades that you're going to have to make out, uh, which at that point of the season, you don't have that many left. So that becomes really difficult to do. And it also becomes difficult to do because you're going to have to start downgrading one to upgrade the other. So you might end up with three downgrades to get four decent guys in your team out of those seven guys you've got to cull. Just suddenly the next buy round is there and you're in trouble again. So it really is a juggling act. One of the other things with the quality, Billy, one thing that I like to do, I like to look at round 13 as the first buy and sort of go through each team and look at guys that are probably not going to play Origin or definitely not going to play all the guys I think are going to be maybe available and make a list of the guns because I think those are the guys that you want to target because they're guys that you can mostly probably target that guy or that type of caliber of player anyway to get into my side at some point. So it's not just a buy planning trade, it's a keeping trade. Uh, but it also is going to really give you a visual on how strong that round 13 buy period is and what the options are. You know, because some, some buy periods are a little bit 
less than others. Round 13, for example, you know, there are teams like the Dragons who I don't think have very many great options. They've certainly got a couple, but they don't have a lot of great options. So they're certainly a little bit of a trappish by planning side because I think that there's some guys in that side that you could get excited over that aren't really going to be keepers or guys you're going to be happy playing every week. So they're a little bit more trappish. Whereas someone like the Penrith Panthers, they've got a lot of quality guys, a lot of guns. The, like a Brian Toto that you mentioned, and hopefully a Luai who are going to play, and even an Appy Coruscant now that he's back as a hooking option, that are going to be there as premium gun options in round 13. And those are just the sort of guys that you want to target. The Titans are another one where we've got a couple of backline guns emerge that I know that you're really you're really fond of that would make that list. <laughs> yeah, you're talking my language there, mate. Um, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of options. Just just don't go too silly. I think the only thing I can add here is start laying up out a plan for yourself. We've got six, week, six weeks, right? So have, have a think about the, all the quality players from every team that you would consider having in, in your team um, probably permanently permanently to start with. Um, use um, Madison as an example. So the bloke's got a high break-in. He's coming back from, what, three or four weeks off. He's coming on off the bench this week, so he's likely going to get a few minutes, then drop significant coins. So, uh, assuming he's, he remains he remains healthy, and if he goes back to 80 minutes, then you're probably looking at like a, you know, a 65 averaging guy that you can possibly pick up for sort of you know around the sort of 500 mark. So, have a think about who and when you might be able to off, uh, get someone out of your team to pick him at the right time. Think, think of blokes like sort of him, Kelly, Luai, um, uh, Appy. Anyone that you want in your team, and just and f- figure out a roadmap based on their matchups and their break-evens. Yeah, you've probably got half a dozen guys as well that are going to be that sort of gun status if you make a list that you're probably going to be interested in. You're not going to be able to get all of them, and that's the thing, and that's why it's really important to make a list and also plan, like Billy mentioned, because you're going to have a good visual on, all right, these are 12 guys that are probably going to be available that are probably all guns once we hit round 13. And you can kind of keep an eye on them week to week uh, and say, okay, cool, um, someone like Brian Kelly this week is um, is going to be pretty good value. He's probably going to be more expensive down the track, so I'll prioritise buying him because I definitely want him. Um, someone like Coruscant, maybe you've got Watson there and you're intending on holding him, so you might cross what, uh, Coruscant off your list or put him at the very bottom because you might be intending on playing Watson. So that type of planning is really easy to do, and I think it's really useful just by giving yourself a gun list for round 13 and then working off that. And what I would suggest from now on, and I do this myself, is every single week now I'm looking at my gun list for round 13, saying, should I be trading any of these guys in rather than what I'm doing? You know, am I going to be able to recover from not getting any of these guys in this week and still be able to execute my plan for that round 13 period, which is important as well? Yeah, so basically to summarise everything we just said, target everyone, anyone that you want from the from the Eels uh, Titans and possibly Dragons with the with the current run that they've got, got coming up. Those guys have seriously soft runs. So guys like Lomax are about to sort of bottom out. Guys like Kelly are about to bottom out. Have a think about who you want in those teams and start targeting them. Yep. Last bit of advice with that away from the guns as well is that I, this is something that I don't think you should be doing, but that's because I normally start with, with a couple of nuffs anyway. But certainly, if you have no nuffs in your team and you need to nuff at some point, I don't think anyone would at the moment because of all the cheapies, but say there was no cheapies and you have to do it this week. Look at round 13 for your nuffs. Like, look at some teams who are going to have players out and 
who are going to bring somebody in to replace them for that round 13 game and they're going to get a big jump in minutes. You know, those are the sort of things that you can look at rather than just bringing in a guy that's not going to play at all. You could bring in someone that's maybe going to play round 13 if you want that cover. Just obviously be careful that it's not going to be a bit of a trap that you're going to have to, you know, get them out for 50k or 30k um, profit pretty soon after. But there is some guys that might stick around for a couple of weeks with resting and things as well. That's probably going to happen more for around 16 when you have sides like the Roosters that will rest players. But certainly for the Storm, you know, someone like Pappenhausen could get rested um, if he's going into the origin period, even off the bench. Maybe Bellamy's being a bit conservative. If you've got any mail about that or any inclination that some guys might be, then look for the round 13 type enoughs that you maybe can put in your side that aren't playing right now if you're needing enough and you're going to have to do it anyway. Like Bloor. Bloor's a great example. And I, and I actually got Bloor in when I needed to make a downgrade a couple of weeks ago just because there wasn't anything else better and because he was going to play round 13. And I knew that I was going to want to trade him in anyway because he'll stick around and make money too. So he's a really good example. All right, well, that's a quick touch on the buy planning and even just as much to give everyone a reminder that now's probably your alarm clock to start looking at it because it's going to be pretty important and it's going to sneak up pretty quickly. Let's talk a little bit about Market Watch now and go straight into that. So it's an interesting week for Market Watch because there's actually a lot of trades that are happening for Traded Out that make sense. There isn't really much to discuss on the Traded Out. Uh, I'm going to go through some names here very quickly. It completely makes sense that Moylan's being cold, that Nu is finally being cold, that Yuta Kamanu is finally being cold because he's dropping cash. Tino's needed to be cold for a while. Jacob Little hasn't been playing for a while. Charlie Staines has been a stain on everyone for the whole season. He's been going out every week from various coaches, so that makes sense. Then we have the guys that are interesting to talk about. Now, I'm going to put Josh Papali on the non-interesting list, because, uh, and I should say Papali'i now, because that's how he pronounces his name. So he's changed that now, Big Josh, so we'll try and respect that. Papali'i from the Raiders is actually out of the side this week, so he deserves to be culled too by 2.4% of coaches. But a couple of other interesting ones. The top two most traded-out players at the moment are arguably you know, the two best fullbacks, although on performance, Teddy isn't there at the moment. Ryan Pappenhausen and James Tedesco. Tedesco won, 9.4% of coaches getting rid of him. Pappenhausen, two, 7.7% of coaches getting rid of him. With these two, Billy, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. We've chatted about the fullbacks a lot in the past, so I'm not going to go heaps into their numbers and stuff. James Tedesco is 590,000 now, though. I'm just going to say that I'm keeping him. I do think that he's going to play this week. Uh, by all accounts, he was fine afterwards. But I think that we're going to know beforehand anyway. So certainly Thursday, I think, is a day where he's he'll, he'll pass his protocols or fail them to be able to be eligible to play. If he passes them, then you'd assume that he's definitely going to play. Friday's going to be the captain's run anyway. If he takes part in that in full after he passes, you can be pretty sure that he's going to play. Uh, 590,000, Billy. My reason for not trading him is... I. Th- you know, provided he plays this week, it's not like he's missing games. He's going to start to drop bulk cash, but he's already dropped 252000 So I feel like you're selling him low anyway. And, you know, he does have the Cowboys and Broncos coming up after this week. So I, I know we've been saying it, but, you know, it was kind of unlucky he didn't score well last week. You can't plan for a HIA. And he does have a good run coming up. And it's just not worth selling him. You know, if you sell him at 590 k you're going to have to pay money to go to a Gutho or pay money to go to some of these other options. I just find it easier just to sit with Teddy at the moment. But where are you on him? Yeah, I'm holding him. I held him last week purely because I didn't have to sell him. Um, they, were, they had other options. you got to remember, too, when he when they played the Sharks, 
uh, three weeks ago. They basically they basically got ambushed. He couldn't get through the line. I think he scored 50 or 60 or 70 or something or other. He didn't score that well, but he just kept getting pulled down. Then he had the storm. Like no one no one scored well versus the storm. You could see that coming a mile away, Partic- particularly when they had um, a new halves combination there uh, there as well. I think that was only the second week or something or other. So it was that was never going to be yep. never be a high scoring game. Last week, I think they were right at the Dragons' line. Then, then they had no ball for about sort of ten minutes. They ended up putting forty points on the Dragons. Like you can't tell me that, that Teddy wouldn't wouldn't have scored some decent points in the back end of that sort of second half. I mean, basically everyone else in the Chooks team did. So you can't blame the HR. He would have gone hundred plus last yeah. week if he stayed on the field eighty minutes. He was going hundred well, plus. That's what I thought too. That's why I captained him. And the, the fact the fact that he has lost a lot of coin and has a high break even, uh, yeah, look, if, there is a risk he might not play this week, but I, I can't sell him purely because of those those two games in, in two weeks. I'll be captaining those two rounds 100%. There's no way I'm not going to captain him versus, versus the Broncos, mate. Yeah, Newcastle's not that bad a draw for him this week either. They can leak some points. Power up maybe a bit harder at Bank West, but then he's got that Cowboys-Broncos double. And you, you just... You're going to get to that and want him in a matter of weeks and be, you know, annoyed at the fact that you don't have him, I think. But I understand why people are getting rid of him because obviously it's been a bad couple of weeks uh, and then you get a HIA on top, which is just terribly unlucky. Pappenhausen is kind of in the same boat, except he's been like the best player to own all year. He's going out of teams this week. Now, it's a bit of an ambiguous quote because some people took it as in he's definitely out next week where... As I took it with Bellamy saying he's going to need two or three weeks as meaning maybe it was two or three weeks as in, you know, the two games missed, which would mean maybe he comes back in the calculations next week. I I think I said last week I would cut bait on Pappenhausen last week. If I still had him this week, I would be edging more towards keeping him because it's just one more week now and he could be back. But it's hard to tell. It's a lot of money to lock up. And like I said last week, I can't blame people getting rid of him. But I spoke about that with Luke. Uh, you weren't obviously on the podcast last week. So what was your stance on Pappenhausen on, on the buy-sell? Because the last two weeks, he's had about 15% of coaches selling. Yeah, I didn't want to sell him last week. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to keep him because he's 100% a captaincy option. But he looked like he, he was still working fine when he came off, but I didn't take into the account one uh, one thing. The fact that he was needled up and was possibly going to be out two weeks, um, I probably could have held that, but uh, I mean, hindsight's a great thing. I, I, the reason for me keeping him, I didn't want to take a risk on Turbo. I just didn't want to risk his hammy his going down. Um, it was only his second game anyway, so he wasn't going to rise. Uh, Teddy had the Dragons, so I thought, you know what? I can play Teddy for a week. Worst case scenario. Uh, if I have to hold hold him for Pappy for an extra week or, or get sort of turbo the following week, if, if, he, if, he, if he turned up again, then it's an easy decision. The only reason I, I, I sound silly is because of the you know, Teddy score. But in saying that, I'm getting rid of him this week. And the reason is because there's obviously some uncertainty around Teddy playing. I don't want to cop an A. So for that reason, I'm selling him to turbo. Just going to go with the crowd there. Um, it also allows me to, to split, split some coin and use his ridiculous 900k to upgrade uh, Charlie Staines to um, another uh, another gun uh, centre recorder. So not only am I getting turbo this week, I'm basically getting what I think is possibly an extra sort of 30 to sort of 60 points in the centre recorder. Yeah, and look, there's going to be teams with Teddy and Pap like like you, and for those teams, I'd definitely be choosing Pap as well because you know that Pap is definitely out. 
and because he provides you so much more flexibility, like you mentioned, you know, you've got an extra 300000 to play with. When we're talking about guys that I'm on the fence about, Connor Watson, number eight on the most traded out list at the moment, is definitely there. I saw Watson's break even jump up last week and sort of started to think, oh, is it going to be time to maybe sell? Because, you know, he's made the better part of almost 200000 and that's quite a bit of cash. Um, he has been averaging 63, though. He doesn't have any scores below 52, uh, so he's been going pretty solid. He scored a 53 on the weekend. Comes in with a 56 BE. With a 45 base, it does look like he's going to kind of keep plugging away, though, and he's going to get to that buy round without dropping a heap of cash. And that's probably what I'm looking at. Like, from our buy chat earlier on, if if i got guys that are going to leak heaps of cash, like if a Dane Laurie has a 150 BE, I'm, I'm not going to keep him. But, you know, if he's, Connor Watson keeps having a 50-ish BE, then he's not going to leak heap of cash, and you can basically have the same sort of price tag when you get to round 13. So I'm I'm going to hold Connor Watson myself. I don't think that he's a massive trade-out priority. Yeah, I'm not getting rid of him at all. He's going to average 70, remember? <laughs> um, the, 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 um, the, the, thing, the thing to note there is... Uh, <laughs> If you've got to remember, he's played a couple of t- a couple of tough teams, and everything everything that he's scored so far, I think basically from one game, it's all base mate. Like he, he he's scoring you fifty, doing absolutely nothing. Um, he's also starting lock uh, as opposed to coming off the bench or playing a couple of games at five eight now. So you've got to remember that last week he went off um, after six minutes when he came on for that second stint was injured or something. Yep. I don't know what it was, but if you t- if if he didn't come off injured, he would have stayed, he would have played 65 minutes, same as the week before. Um, so you've got to assume he's, if, if he starts this week, he's playing 65 minutes again, not sort of 55. So it's not actually a 45 base, it's around a 55 base, mate. So it's basically you're going to get 55 points for him with no attack. Um, all he's going to do is just get one or two attack stats over the next two or three weeks, which you know. He can't not score a try. Oh, no. uh, and he's a freak. He's gone seven rounds and not scored one. So it's going to be coming, and I, I'm going to say it's going to be coming in the next few games. He's going to score a try, and that's going to put him close to 100. Like, he got some attacking stats with a try assist, line break assist in round three, and scored 104 points. So he's he is someone that you really do want to try and hold for the buy because he's someone that's going to score points, but he's also someone that people are going to start offloading as we're seeing now on market watch with the traded out players. He's playing against the Roosters this week. Hard game, but against his old club. So I'm sure that he's going to step up. More tackles. And he's going to have More a tackles. heap of tackles. Well, yep. Bigger, bigger, bigger work rate. Think, think of it this way. Um, I, I think I think he's kind of like the, um, the Lomax of last year. If you go and have a look at Lomax last year, he was basically a cash cow, and then up until around seven, eight, or nine, he basically he basically did nothing. He was just he was scoring he was scoring a few points enough to make a bit of coin, and then lots of people sold him, particularly me. And then all of a sudden, he went on a tear for the rest of the season and basically averaged basically averaged seventy. I think it's the same thing with Watson. I think you'll see. Look, he's come back from injury. He was absolutely base base price, finding his groove in the team. Basically, just plugging along, punching the scores, making your coin, but not actually doing anything fancy. But you can see, you can see the, um, you can see the potentials there. Um, I think he just comes out and starts doing pretty soon what, what I think he can do. Well, one of the problems with the Newcastle team, and we spoke about this last week with Kalen Ponga as an option, is that they had Penrith, Roosters, and Canberra. They've got Penrith out of the way now. Uh, the Roosters playing his ex club at least, so you got the step up factor. But Canberra looks shot. 
they no longer look like a real tough team to play. Um, the Cowboys put on, what, 28 points against them very comfortably. Now, after that, all of a sudden, Newcastle's draw softens up. So Canberra, I reckon, is a bit easier than what it looks. West Tigers, North Queensland Cowboys, Manly Seagulls, and then Power in the buy round, who is going to have a few players out because of origin. You know, oh, the whole team, mate, the way they're going. Oh, the whole team. It's going to be the New South Wales team, Parramatta 1-13. to We know that, but still, going to be a good game for Connor Watson um, the next sort of month of football after he gets through the Roosters this week. It's a, it's a pretty decent draw for him as well. So by all accounts, you know, especially since you factor in, mathematically, he has to score a try before that round 13. Like It's like 98% probability of tries are going to happen. He's probably going to be worth more come round 13 than what he is now when you're selling him and he's going to give you buy cover so I, that's why I decided to hold him I had a quick look at it and went nah I'm, I'm definitely holding him and I'm really quite big on it as well yeah blokes like him as well as um, Bradman Best are going to explode soon with that draw you're talking about traded in now there's hardly any surprises here okay everyone's bringing in Tommy Turbo 15% of coaches He's one of the things that was good about him last week is that you could get him in and he was reasonably low owned. You know, he's now, he rocketed up to 24% of teams. Uh, I think he was in 1% of teams for his first ton when he first came back. So those 1% got a huge benefit of getting him in early. But 24% of teams now, you know, if, if he keeps getting traded in as a number one traded player like we're looking at, he's going to be close to 40% owned. So all of a sudden he's going to be one of the most owned, if not the most owned fullback come next week. Uh, so that's that takes a bit of a shine off it, but he's coming off 118, 116 points the last two weeks. And the biggest thing about those points, mate, 117 point average across the last two weeks, and he's only playing 64 minutes a game. <laughs> Any chance he misses Origin as a good pickup? <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't think so. Don't think so. Well, I mean, they got Penrith this week, so it's not an ideal week to get him in, but he's also got a minus 18 BE, so he's going to go up a fair bit after this week. And even if he doesn't go well against Penrith, they then hit the Warriors, the Broncos, Para, and the Knights, and then they got the bye. So it's it's not a bad run of games, and certainly I'm very scared to not own Turbo for that Broncos game after seeing what Gutho did. So it, it's not one that you could ever say, you know, you shouldn't trade him in because everyone's doing it. Um, in fact, I'm I'm scared not to stay with the crowd on it. Yeah, that's why I'm doing it. I'm just sticking with it, mate. I think the reason for that is because... Obviously, selling uh, Papin using 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 half his coins upgrade elsewhere. I need to I need to inject. I need a parachute just just in case Papi comes back in the, in the next couple of weeks and I really need him. So, um, Turbo is going to make a bit of coin. So hopefully that offsets and make, makes the, the the crash landing a little bit more cushier when when I need the coin to or the trampoline to bounce back up to Papi. Papi does have a hundred and thirty break even, I think. So. Hopefully he doesn't kill it first week back and just makes it a little bit more affordable. In the top 10 most traded in at the moment, we've got four players who are cheapies. Uh, one of them is Reese Walsh, which I'm finding really bizarre because he's a fullback only. And 2.6% coaches are trading him in at fullback, a bottom dollar, after playing one game. That's a that's a massive mistake to me, not just not running both gun fullbacks when they're going so good, but also getting a guy that's not going to rise in money or guarantee spot in the side despite how good he looked. I'm just going to say outright, I don't think anyone should be doing that. But the other guys that are going to classify as money makers that have been trained in, number two is Jake Simcom, and number three is Josh Curran. Now, Josh Curran got off at the judiciary tonight. He's he's a fantastic trading option for anyone wanting to downgrade a Ford at the moment. Minus 58 BE. 
I've been a big Josh Curran fan. He's always been a huge worker, and he scored 55 and 77 points the last two weeks, and that includes the 55-point game last week where he got sent off for a sin bin against the Storm, so he would have been 65 again in that game. He's already an 8% of teams, Billy. He's he's someone that I don't know if I can trade him this week, and that's what's going to make him even more valuable because I think some teams are going to struggle to get Josh Curran in this week. And he looks like he's, as long as he keeps starting, he's going to make a huge amount of coin. Oh, yeah, he was rated all last year and earlier this year. I'm not sure why he hasn't started since now. But, um, yeah, as soon as he punched up that 77, basically, in base stats, that game, that first game, once he was named last week, I just got him in. I didn't want to muck around. Um, needed, needed an ejection seat and to cash in Ricky somehow. I didn't want him to leak points, so I just thought I'll just go early on the points and hopefully he plays 80. And his reputation precedes himself, so which is what he did. It was really frustrating seeing him on uh, what thirty points or something or other, and all of a sudden goes back to what twenty or something or other. I couldn't figure out what was going on until I thought, oh no, no, <laughs> I know, I know what's happening <laughs> right. here. I'm like, oh, god damn it! Don't want to segue too much, but there was some terrible officiating on the weekend, and the worst one was Karen being oh. sent to the bin. Like that was awful, and the fact that he had to fight to not be suspended is. Like, it's a massive blight on the NRL. That's a disgrace, isn't it? I know, look, uh, but I've been crucifying the ref too, just in our little sort of, little sort of forum. I mean, you've got to give them one thing. Like, they need to call that real time, and they're, they're looking up the player welfare, so completely understand that. The penalty was a shame, but for the NRL to, to not come out afterwards and say, yeah, sorry, that was an absolute disgrace. Yeah, don't worry about turning up. For him to actually have to go and fight, that was ridiculous. Well, look, I don't even I don't even mean to blame the referee as much because they've got a huge amount of pressure on them. And one of the biggest things that I say about, you know, some people disagree with my take on a few tackles and things when I say it's not that bad or they shouldn't be sent off or whatever, is because, you know, these players are having to make these decisions in real time. And they're doing it in a season where the game is faster, they're more tired, the NRL has pushed fatigue into the game because they have decided for a while that's what they need. And that's fine. But if you do that, it's much harder for players not to have accidents or make mistakes. You know, and so you can't say when someone hangs their arm out, like, you know, Hetherington was bad a few weeks ago, okay? He deserved to get the bin or whatever. He deserved to maybe a couple of weeks. He's got a bad record, so he got a lot more. But that, you know, he's a big, 120 kilo prop forward that was tired and he threw his arm out, you know, like we're going to see more of that, not less if you're trying to speed up the game. And the same, even with Curran, like you got a collision at speed where there wasn't much he could do about it. And the poor ref has to make these decisions and they're relying on a bunker that can take their time, look at stuff on video in slow-mo. The ref shouldn't be in the position where they're making those calls to sin bin guys because the guys that cannot look at it at real time should be able to say to them, hey, mate, it wasn't that bad. Leave it alone. It's fine. What actually happened, I agree with all that. What actually happened with the judiciary, Did I know he was seeking a downgrade, but can they just can they not go for complete and utter dismissal at all? Or did they go for a complete dismissal or did they have to well, go Well, they went for the down... Yeah, they went for the downgrade because the downgrade meant he'd be free to play. So it would basically be his demerit points and he's free to play this week. It's no time lost. Whereas if they went for a complete dismissal, it would be saying that there was no contact with the head at all, which would mean that they would have had a chance at losing. And if they lose, okay. obviously they end up with a few weeks and that makes it a lot worse. So you're better off just not trying to fight it altogether and saying, okay, cool, there might have been some contact with the head, but 
it's definitely not that great. Right. And that means so, he can play this week. So basically saving, saving grace in front of the judiciary so they didn't have to turn around and say, look, we know you actually didn't do anything, but your chest hit his head when he fell into you, so we're going to give you six weeks. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, or not want to make them have to suspend you for three weeks because you didn't go the downgrade instead. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, sure. like it's just... It's a silly system, and they they just got so much wrong on the weekend. You know, you can't have a crackdown like this just for the sake of it. It's got to make sense, and it just doesn't in football terms. Too much non-rugby league sense, but I don't want to rant too much. Not too many weeks. Don't want to rant too much. Let's move on. Curran's a great buy. I'm going to pick him over um, Young Simkin, who is the second best buyer of the week for the Chiefs. 8.6% of coaches trading him in. Simkins, though, has averaged about 50 points in his first two games. He doesn't look like the home run that Curran does. So would you agree that, you know, even though it's 30K more to go to Curran, he looks like he's going to make much more money and be much more secure than what Simkin is going to be? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. If I had to choose between the two, I'd go to Curran, purely because of the uh, the points on off between now and then. Um, I must admit I was salivating over over Simkins. I, I actually got him week one. Um, as soon as as soon as he was named with no um, no little insight, I thought that was just absolute jackpot. And when he basically scored sixty and just tackles, just doing nothing, I was so excited. Played him again last week. The, uh, the was forty three points or fifty points or whatever it was was pretty disappointing. I don't know how the hell that happened, but the one thing about I do like about Simkin and Luke, Luke says this the other day. I completely agree with him. He reminds me of Cook, like he just. When he gets the ball from dummy half, he takes one step to the side, one step forward, and puts and puts it uh, at a 90-degree angle right on the forward's chest, hitting the line. He doesn't throw it out the back 10 metres backwards like Michael Anders, mate. He, he, he really gets the goal. He really gets forward momentum. I really And he makes some runs. He's going he's gonna to be dangerous. He's going to score some points. But if I had to put, make a choice between the two of them, 100% playing current. Nico Hines has made his way into a lot of teams uh, already, and a lot of the smaller groups uh, are talking about him as a bit of a pod purchase because they're assuming Pat might be out a couple of weeks. He's got a minus 5 BE, but he's 296,000. He is coming off a 98-point game on the weekend where he played his first, his second 80-minute game of the season, sorry. His first 80-minute game of the season, he scored 53 points. So he's batting pretty well at about a 72-point average in his two starting jobs at number one. Um, that's very similar to what he did last season. He scored 108, 90, and 30 points in his three games. So, you know, around that sort of 70-ish mark across his five starting games the last two seasons looks like probably where he is. Um, he's a very good player, looks like a great young prospect. But, Billy, I guess for me, I'm struggling with it as a trade-in because I almost think sometimes we're a little bit too clever where we look at guys where we can kind of get points and money and we think, oh, yeah, you know, this will work. You know, not many people are going to do it. It's a bit of a pod move. When really there's a lot of other guys that are a lot less than 296,000 that you can get in like a car and get the points and money. And if you're going to do a second trade, you really should be using that money you cleared just to get a gun in that you know is going to stick around. The volatility with Hines is that if somehow Pap is back next week, that's just one game where he's going to get to play and then go back to the bench or left right out, um, and then that's going to make you maybe 50 grand, and that's if he goes pretty well, uh, and then he might make you another 15 grand before you know coming off the bench, and then all of a sudden it's maybe 65 grand, and you've got to trade him out, and he, or you keep him around and lose money for that round 13 matchup. Um, I would just as sooner wait till round 13, 
trade him in for the Gold Coast Titans and then hope that he kind of has a Pappenhausen breather or rest game for the Warriors game and he gets to start again then. Because he could even start in the halves or in centre or whatever at that time as well afterwards. So I, I'm i not loving the, the trading this week just because I think there's too many question marks as to how many games he's going to get and how his money's going to work. I think it's a brilliant trading, but I think there's a reason behind it. Um, think of it this way. For people that might already have current um, or just or, or want a, a different option, you can basically downgrade Teddy to him and free up a whole bunch, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of cash, playing at fullback. And if Papenhuizen is for some reason like a potential late inclusion in, in the game, you can easily just swap between the two. And then if he, if he if he doesn't play, so he could possibly play for the next one or two weeks. Then you've got Papi as the backup. When Papi comes in, you can switch it again. He's also available at centre three quarter. So if you've got Somali at a, at a centre three quarter, um, you can you can or, or even if you've got Teddy sort of uh, 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 still, you get and uh, sorry even if you've got another fullback that you can move that you can move around, you can switch it between centre three quarter and fullback so you don't have to play a, a, a guy like Staines this week. So and he's not going to lose coin between now and the buyers because he's either going to play or he's not going to play. He's not going to, he's, he's most likely not going to sit on the bench. And even if, even if he did where he's priced at, he's still going to score some attacking points to stay around there. So I think there's a lot of upside. And if you get him now, it just basically means you get one or two games now, um, a potential center three, center three quarter elevation. And he's also going to be available for you in the, um, the round 13. It also means if you're absolutely jack of Teddy or something like that, you can easily just, easily just leave him there for the whole season just as a backup for Paddy, for Pappy and switch between the two. I like it when we disagree on something. It makes it a lot juicier for people to listen to. <laughs> I disagree on this one a bit because before we started last round, mate, he was in Jersey 17, 16 and 16, three rounds in a row where he was playing off the bench and he played an average of about 18, 19 minutes for that and scored about 18 points for it. So... If that three weeks before last week is what the lineup's going to be, and I think that it probably is because they're really getting excited for Nico Hans, then he's going to play on the bench and he's going to give you like 15 to 20 point games, and that's just going to be a killer. That's why I think he's going to lose the money. I do agree, like with you and also some of the guys talking about it. Like he's going to be a really good option for the period that he's starting for. Um, I'm just, I just think that's way too volatile. But the other thing with your strategy, like I do like it in a vacuum, like. You know, you've got him and you've got Pappy, and you know if one plays, then you just swap them with the other type of thing. But because you're doing that at fullback, like if you're downgrading a Teddy to him, like you said, it means that you don't have any of the gun fullbacks, like the half a dozen fullbacks that are going nuts at the moment. You don't have any of them in your side. Not just you've only got one, you've got zero of them. And I just think that's an absolute killer. You know, we saw it on the weekend, guys that brought Gutho in, or that had Gutho and brought Turbo in you know, got 250 points from their fullbacks, you know, and you're going to just have 70 points maybe from Hines and then try and find a big score somewhere else with that money. I, I, I don't see it, but I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to take a punt at, but I, I don't personally like it for those Yeah, but reasons. you can do it. You can do it for the next two, for the next two weeks. And then when, um, when, when you want Teddy back or someone else, you can, you can easily sort of cull someone at the centre three quarter and put him at centre three quarter. Yeah, you, yeah. So if you're not if you're not too concerned about concerned about his price, because he's not exactly to the four hundred k, he's basically in that sweet spot where you can just pay the pay the hundred k premium, whatever it is, just for the points now and for the buy points, and then just just leave him there to rot. 
yeah, you can do that. I mean, that, that is a different way to do it, I guess. Um, I, you're still going to have to find maybe a couple hundred grand or, or 150 grand to get to Teddy from one of your other shitty set of wings or something like that. So, Plus, there's the added bonus when uh, Bellamy decides to rest every single player in round sort of 37, whatever it is. Whatever it is. You're going <laughs> to have him there to score 160 points. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm going to throw out the old cliche, the AE nightmare as well, when he's on the bench. He's going to give you like a nine-point game like he did in round four. But anyway, it's... More than Saab. Uh, well, not these days, mate. Saab gets three tries and scores his 55. He's fine. So, yeah, he's, he's a try-scoring freak now. Look, let's move off Hines. Let's talk about the guns being traded in at the moment. Um, there's a few key ones that are being traded in. Brian Toto we're not going to talk about because we talk about him enough on this podcast. It may as well be called the Brian Toto Tribute Podcast, but he's playing Manly this week. He's Everybody should already have him. I will say his ownership has gone up um, significantly at 32%. Um, all of a sudden, a lot of teams own him. He should be the he should be like as highly owned as all the top players in the game, though. As far as centering, he's hugely valuable. But three guys that are guns that aren't owned that heavily. Um, Tavita Pengai Jr. I said to Luke last week he was one of my favourite trade-ins, uh, huge value. I know that you're a big fan. I know that you mentioned he'd scored a try last, you know, the game of four for 61, but his stats on the edge playing 80 minutes are fantastic in the couple of years prior, um, or playing 60 plus minutes, I should say. Uh, he scored 100 points against Parramatta. He looks dominant, um, and he's still only going to cost you, uh, about 533,000, and he is only in 10% of teams still. So, I'm going to say as a dual front row forward, sec- second row forward, who is playing round 13. He's just the type of guy that you should be targeting. He's going to have a personal battle against David Fafita this week. I'm sure that he's going to you know, put some holes in the edges of the Gold Coast Titans' defense. 534K, 6% of coaches trading in. It's still only going to put him at 16% own, Billy. You know, I, I think that he was a great trading last week. I think this week, if you're going to trade in any forward, it should be Tavita Pangai Jr., yeah, uh, I am at all last week between him and Papali, Papali. I ended up going Papali. Um, I th- still think he's a great trader this week. Uh, I prefer, the only reason I would get him would be 80 minutes on the edge. I didn't think he was getting that. Coach said, um, pre-season because I see him as, as a middle, not an edge. So I'm not sure whether it's Ricky's performance or whether, whether he just decided he's, he's, he's too damaging to be on the bench. And that's the reason why he started. Well, I think. Kevin Walters is learning coaching on the fly, and uh, during the time that he's been reading his coaching 101 books for amateurs, he's realised that um, playing your best players for the most minutes is probably a good idea when your team's not very good. So that's basically what's yeah, happened. I tell you, but um, I'm going to say, I tell you what, like, every time we watch uh, Pengo Junior for the last three or four years, we look at the offloads and go, oh, seven, eight, nine offloads a game. Now I'm looking at him. Now I'm looking at him every time he makes a tackle. Going, is he going to strip? Is he going to strip? Is he going to strip? He's, he's he's got that that stealing propensity now too. He's he's just gone all that all that chaos. Yeah, he just does everything. That's why I love owning him. Like before, I liked him at the start of the year. I mean, he, he, people got to remember when he was playing prop, he came out and played 39, 52, and 59 minutes. But across that, he, you know, he averaged about 88 points. In his first three rounds, 79-182. He only had one try in that as well. Like, he was killing it at the start without the minutes. 80 minutes on an edge. He 
he's going to offload, he's going to tackle break, and he's going to score some tries and line breaks. You know, and with his offloads too, he's got a propensity to get the occasional line break try assist out there too. So, what, what's his break even? Just curious. His break even's thirty three now. Um, so last week he had a big eighty nine be. Uh, this week he's yep. got a 33 and he's 534k. So this is the week to get him. Get him against the Gold Coast Titans. He then has the Cowboys, Manly, Roosters, a Storm, and then the Dragons in the bye. So normally, normally I would say yeah, playing playing the Gold Coast Titans, you've got to get him. But I'm actually going the other way. Can you imagine this time last year saying, "Look, I'm going to get Corey Thompson. He's playing against the Broncos." <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait for your TLT discussion on your Corey Thompson. Love, but uh, yeah. Yeah, look, uh, look. The Titans are going to win, but you know, I think the Titans are going to give up some points to the Broncos, and guys like Pangai Junior are going to benefit. Like, I, I can't say enough about him. He's only got a forty-one base, but that's not what you're buying him for. He's already scored two one-hundred-point games this year. One of them, he only played fifty-two minutes. He, he's a weapon. He's averaging seventy-one points a game, and you can get him at five hundred thirty-four k, and you can even put him at front row forward. He's playing the first buy. Like, you're going to want him for that. This is the time to get him in. Get him in. Clint Gutherson. Mate, I I got paid off by Gutho in spades this week, but just quietly, he's only in eight percent of teams. There's a good reason why, but he has gone well this year. Like he actually only has one game below seventy four points, and that was thirty two against Melbourne in round two. Everything else has been seventies, eighties, and tons. He's got back to back tons now: one twenty four against the Broncos, hundred and three against the Raiders the week before. And he's been playing really good footy. And for someone that can throw up those back-to-back tons, you know, he was only a shade over 600k two weeks ago. Um, in fact, even below. And now he's gone up 50k this week to 687,000. He's still a fullback that people are looking at. But I understand why it's hard to trade him in. But you see someone that you're looking at round 13 going, I really want to have Clint Gutherson in there for the buy. I've been I've been looking at him for around thirteen, but I'm not going to get him. It's too early, especially at that price. It's kind of like um, Mitchell Moses a couple of years ago. He started absolutely on fire or went on went on a tear at at some point. And was averaging ridiculous. And then he had like a, a minus forty or a minus fifty break even in round six or something rather. And I thought, got to get him for the buyers. And then all of a sudden he punched twenty, thirty, twenty, thirty, and I found myself trying to hold on to a guy with a hundred and fifty break even. For the buyers, and it was kind of like, oh, maybe I jumped in too early. <laughs> I don't think that's the case with Gutho, but um, that price I wouldn't be buying him. I'd, I'd just say, look, he's not the sort of guy that can score 100, 150 as easily as a Pappy or a Teddy. So for that reason, I wouldn't be worried about missing the vote right now. I'd be just saying, look, good luck to the small percentage of people that own him, and hopefully he, just, he, he doesn't score you know, back to too many tons with a soft draw he's got coming up. With the run that he's got coming up, so he's got the Bulldogs this week, then he's got the Roosters, then he's got the Warriors, Manly, South and Newcastle in the bye round. And by the way, after that Newcastle bye round, assuming he's not in the Origin team, he's then going to play the Tigers and Bulldogs. So it's it's a really good run of footy. He could turn up again this week. If you traded in Turbo last week, which a lot of people did, and Teddy's your other fullback, um, I'm going to hold Teddy myself, but I've already got Gutho sitting there. I If I had that turbo-Teddy combo at the moment, and I was iffy about Teddy playing this week, or I wasn't sure whether I wanted to keep him or I was going to sell him over the buys anyway, I think it's a pretty valid argument this week to jump on Click Gutherson because he's going to score big these games. Like, three out of the next four are the Bulldogs, Warriors, and Manly. Like, he's going to score some points, and he's going to play that buy. 
and he is expensive at 687000 but he's not much more than Teddy to do that trade. And I dare say round 13, mate, like he could be 750 and you're paying even more money. I don't like it. I really don't like it. I, I'm a massive Eel supporter, but he just doesn't have the same spark as, as the, 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 the those, those top two, top three fullbacks. I would much rather hold Teddy this week and I would back him to outscore um, Gutho in the three weeks following that as opposed to Gutho's four-week scores. Yeah, look, that's totally fair. I, I guess it comes down to if you re- if you want him around 13 or you're going to bypass him. I think that's a question that you've got to ask yourself. Mike Acevo from the Eels as well. He came off 157 points on the weekend. Absolutely blitzed it. Had like I think he had like five line breaks and three tries. And he had a heap of tackle breaks too. Like he was busting tackles, running heaps better. He's, I think, a pretty decent center wing look this week. And I can't tell coaches not to do it because 477,000 is a bit much. Like you could have got him at close to 400,000 not long ago. But in saying that, he's got a minus 38 PE. So you know that he's going to score some points and get a heap of cash in the next few weeks. Whether he can keep that money being made up to the buy remains to be seen. But Billy, minus 38 BE, 477,000. I reckon you can do a lot worse than getting Sevo in when you know that he's got the dogs this week and he's coming off that 157 and he's on a bit of a run. Yeah, this is a really hard one because he's he's basically up 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 against the one team that you would probably consider him. I'm I'm in agreement that with someone someone made a comment last week that you know Silo could have scored nine tries last week and they still wouldn't buy him this week because you know he's going to now he's going to regress to twenty points or something at at, at some stage. Um, I agree with that. Um, I don't think uh, the old sort of Silo and Silo driver days are there where you can um, rely on those guys to go to. Make, make the hit ups and tackle bust and still have a decent sort of base if they didn't go over the line three times. I think that it's a, too, a bit too sparse in between times when they do go for a double or a treble. So I'm going to say no. Um, but if you can't afford anyone else and you want to take a pod, then I can see why you would want to do it or have a crack with that draw. But if we're inside the top sort of 100 or something rather, I'd, I think it's a I, it's a 50-50 call, I think, but I'm leaning towards no. I'm not going to say no. I think it's just a 50-50 personal decision. I just don't know what to do with him. Well, I mean, against that's all fair, mate. And, like, it is 100% if you're getting him, you need to know that you're going to have games coming up where he, like, against the Roosters the week after this, he may very well score a 33. You know, that could be there, uh, and that's going to happen. What I've said about Sevo the whole year, though, is that, like all center wings are going to give you those. Yes, you're paying a bit more for Sevo, but when you could buy him at four hundred thousand, you know, no other like no, not many other center wings at that sort of price range of two hundred to four hundred k are going to give you the ceiling that he does. You know that you're not going to get a, a cheap center wing option that's going to give you one hundred fifty odd points, and that Sevo can do it, and he has done it. So I mean, it just reminds me of Moses. Yeah, I mean, I, I just. The other thing with Sevo though, that Moses doesn't have, is Sevo scores tries like 80% of the time. And I know that that's going to mean that you're going to have, you know, games where he still only scores 60-odd because of the try. But he scores them a lot. So, yeah, you're going to have some lower games. But, yeah, I I just think that he's going to score tries with the run that he's got coming up. And I think that you always got to look at the downside with your trades. And because of his BE at minus 38, you know, he's going to... Assuming he blitzes the dogs this week, you know, and scores like 80 points plus, 
he's going to make 90k plus just this week. And by, by after next week, even if he throws up a 33, he's still going to make over 100,000. So, you know, if you buy him for this week, get 90 points, get a 33 against the Roosters and decide, well, look, he's a bit shit. I don't really want him. Play him against the Warriors for probably a 10 BE or something that he's going to have. And then, you know, punt him and don't have him for the buy. You know, you're still going to make 100k out of it. So, I mean, that's what you kind of hope for with some cash cows, right? You're going to make 100, 120? Yeah. Yeah, right. That's probably a really good strategy, actually. Look, if, if you're on the fence and you really want him more, he's, he's in that sort of price bracket for you. It's versus the dogs. Look, maybe take a punt, have a crack at it. If it get, if it, if it works, great, ride it as long as you can. If it doesn't work, then go, all right, so I made a hundred, hundred fifty K, whatever you call it, use him as your platform and someone else is going to guarantee the points. Yeah. And look, the other side of it is that if you do it and it works out and he scores well for a few weeks in a row, then you can just hold him to the buy pretty comfortably and then just punt him afterwards. So like, I, I do think that there's limited downside in doing it just because of his matchups and how much he's going to make. Other than that, the final gun on the list is Payne Haas. So someone else that we spoke about last week about um, being a real juicy one coming up because he's going to keep dropping a bit of cash. He's now 618,000. He's only in 6% of teams and he's coming off a 78 score. So, you know, the first week against Melbourne when he returned, he threw up a 55. Played quite good minutes that round, 69. So we sort of thought, oh, 69 minutes, 55, that's not great. Then he went into a 70, then a 64, which was a bit average. He only played 57 minutes on the weekend against Parramatta, but he threw up a 78 score, and I thought that he looked fantastic. So if that's a sign of things to come, uh, it's pretty good. But like me and Luke said last week, he's got a pretty low floor, so it's 618,000. It's a pretty decent purchase, although he's not going to play the buy. I looked at him last week, and I kept going back. To, I went back through all his scores from last year and the year before, and the, the one thing that concerned me about him is the fact that he, he doesn't really have any tons. Like, he just doesn't have anything massive in there. Um, so he is by far and away the number one forward that you actually want to have in, in your team. But I don't think – it all comes down to I don't think not having him and spending that much early this early – is going to hurt you. Like, sure, he's going to score an extra... He's going to score 75, 80 points a week in basically base. But any other four that you got, like Papa Lee, TKO, um, TPJ, they can they can all do that. And they're sort of... Um, they, they, they all have um, more upside if they go over the line. So I'm going to say it's a pass for me on him for a while. All right, fair enough. Um, let's go straight into TLT. So Raiders versus Rabbits... Uh, Raiders have rested Papa Lee because he's out of form. I don't get doing that. I would have just played him in reserve grade to make him play his way into form. But anyway, and then he got Jared Croker out. So Bailey Simonson is in. Tapani replaces Papa Lee in the 17. Rabbitohs. Now, Benji Marshall's remaining at 5'8". Cody Walker at fullback. Everyone else um, is pretty much the same. Braden Burns, the old flame of yours. Billy's returning New South Wales Cup. So, you know, settle down, mate. You're going to have to start watching the, the second grade games now. <laughs> Uh, mate, I love I love those rookies that come around year in year out. They would get to talk about them and go just take the same profiles for. <laughs> Maybe next year. Well, I'm going to say on the Raiders side, there's no there's no nice way to put it. There is no gun to talk about on the Raiders side, and there's certainly not going to be any C or VC option in my opinion. But there is a couple of little little pods that we can mention. One of them is Harawira Naira. He's named to start on an edge again. He's 302,000. First game last week, 
He scored 45 points in 80 minutes, which wasn't great. But it was all in base-base attack, which is something that he can do pretty comfortably. Um, normally, he can probably even get a 50 base-base attack if he's going well. Obviously, he then gets the attack coming. But to 302,000, he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, certainly, if he was playing the round 13 by, I'd be more interested. And if he had more of a, more job security, but you know, he's definitely a watch. But another guy that's kind of gone under the radar for this one that I'm going to pinpoint as uh, my big balls player of interest pod is Jordan Rapana. Now, Rapana's come off at 106 points and 75 points the last two weeks. Actually got a break-even of two, uh, but he's now going to cost you 500k. So he's a bit priced out of the market, but just quietly over the last month, he's worked his way up from you know 370k starting price to 503. So anyone that took a punt on Rapana, it's actually done quite well. Um, and he's only got two games that are below 60 points at 46 and 38. So he's averaging 68 points a game. He's been a bit under the radar, Billy. In a couple of weeks' time, he's got the Bulldogs, but he doesn't really have the draw, and the, the Raiders aren't really doing well enough to take a punt, but i am certainly got my eye on him. Is he really back, but I mean, I know he's not the repartner of old, and he's sort of, sort of getting older. That I just think with so many quality options around at the moment, he's just probably not a, a viable target. Yeah, he's he's kind of started to come back this year, hey? Like, more than what he was last year. So, the first round, he had an 11 base and was absolutely, you know, he was just putrid the first round. If you yeah. take that out, though, his base, raw base, has been around 31 average for the rest of the, the games. And his base attack's been there again. So, he's getting up to that sort of 40 plus base-base attack floor that, you know, is sort of a bit of a poor man's Rapana, but he's definitely there. So he definitely has been coming a bit better. It's just a shame that he's 500k. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I think that I think the price is just a bit, a bit too much to have a pun on him, especially in taking the, into account the older uh, rabbits that are playing this weekend and how ordinary they've been. Um, yeah, I can't really see anything. I, I want to have a crack at this weekend, mate. If I was going to do anything in that radius team, I'd be having a crack at uh, Harrow and Naira for um, any time try scorer. That's about the only thing I'd be interested in that team. Yeah, I mean, on the other side of the fence, Cody Walker's um, been a popular option, but he played fullback last week, scored a try, but only 68 points. And he's now only got a three-round average of 64, which is a little low for him. Um, and likewise, Damian Cook's gone downhill as well. So I've, I've got my eye on those guys, but I don't think they're really options for me at the moment because they've just been too disappointing. And to be honest, in this game, mate, I'm I'm not particularly interested in anyone and I'm not VCing or seeing anyone in this one. But how do you see it? Have you got any C options or VC options that you want to look at? I can't at? really see it. Uh, the only one you would ever consider in a game like this is probably uh, Walker, but at, at fullback, I'm not really sure I'd be interested in doing it. Nah, look... Top swap better of the week for this one. I think that the Rabbits are specials at $1.50. I just think the Raiders are playing that poorly. I, I can't see them beating the Rabbits. So $1.50 at the moment for the Rabbits. Pretty good odds on top sports to get on those. But the next game, Storm vs. Sharks. There is a few few more options in this one. Obviously, we've spoken about Pat being out. Um, George Jennings is out, which means Remus Smith is, is on the wing. Uh, apart from that, the Storm are pretty much the same. But big news for the Sharkies. We've got Sean Johnson starting again uh, with uh, Moylan gone. And also the other thing is Josh Dugan has been chopped so Will Chambers can play, which I know is going to be too super coach relevant. But Graham and Tolman are back. So I think that the Sharks squad is a lot stronger for this week against the Storm. 
Uh, Teague Wilton, subsequently, is back on the bench, so he's starting to become a sell probably after this week when he's finished making his money. Uh, been pretty good, but now it's time to go. I'm going to be watching SJ as my player of interest on the shark side, but I don't really think they've got much going on. The Storm have a lot going on, though, mate. And Cameron Munster last week, 87 points he ended up on after he got upgraded after lockout because they missed a forced dropout. He didn't seem to do that much, but then just threw a couple of passes and then all of a sudden was on 87 points. Um, it's, it's, it's getting closer to a Munster ton because he hasn't had one yet. Now, this game's at Amy Park without Pap again. Um, I am hesitant to think what will happen if he actually starts doing a heap of stuff, but this is a game where I think you could maybe throw the VC on him just because it's been quite a while since Cameron Munster has had one of those big, you know, 125, 130-plus point games. Yeah, that's what I'm doing, only because I want a VC for feeder against the old, uh, old, old, his old brigade, mate. I am um, too concerned about missing out and base there. Um, I don't like the fact that Cleary, although he's averaging 100, only scores consistently sort of 75 to sort of 100-ish, apart from that one game where he went 125. Um, I just don't think he has that massive VC potential like he used to. So I'm going to have a, have, have a stab at Munster for that reason and leave this, stick the C on for feeder, mate. Big Will's pod, mate. I've got a big one for this one. I'm really quite excited about it, but I'm not going to do it. Um, Jerome Hughes. The last two weeks, he is, he's dominating the ball, and he's the one making all the plays. 141 points last week, 102 the week before against the Roosters. He's only 569,000, despite those points there of 102, 141. And if you're getting someone like Mike Acevo in thinking that you can play him for a couple of weeks and then punt him, minus 36 BE is almost identical to Acevo. And I dare say Hughes is going to be more consistent and have more bigger scores in him than what Sebo will. So obviously he's a halfback, so it's a little bit harder. But as far as pod options go, like if you missed out on Sam Walker, and there is some teams that have, and you got a second, you know, halfback spot there up for grabs, Jerome Hughes is going to play round 13. He's coming off 141 and 102 the last two weeks. Absolutely nobody owns him. And even the weeks before the last two, he had 52 and 60. You know, he's playing some really good footy and he's getting pretty unnoticed by super coaches. Yeah, but the thing is, everyone's got Cleary in one spot. And if you're going to go the other spot, I mean, even if you don't own Walker, you're still going to get him. It, just the price difference and the scoring potential there is basically the same. Well, the, the points are basically the same, but the price difference, I think, is too hard to ignore. I just don't see how. Like, pod option is there, but I don't think the upside is enough to warrant not getting Walker and just using that coin elsewhere. I think the problem is that Walker is now quite expensive. Um, so, I mean, I, I own Sam Walker. Um, I was always going to own him. He's one of the buyers of the year. And I own, obviously, Cleary. So I'm not someone that needs to worry about it. But if I didn't have Sam Walker, I would seriously have a look at it because Sam Walker's scoring really well. Uh, but he is 367000 now. He's got a minus 13 BA year. You could make more money out of Hughes. Hughes has a good upcoming draw as well. Um, and I think that Hughes is going to score more points. So it's whether you want to pay 200k extra for the buy cover for more points, which I think he's going to score, and also for potentially more cash because he does have a bigger BE than what Sam Walker does. So just very quickly, you know, Jerome Hughes' upcoming run. He's obviously got the Sharks this week. He then has South, but after that he's got the Dragons, 
the Raiders, and then he's got the Broncos in round 12 and a round 13 game against the Titans. You don't even have to sell him after that because then he hits the Warriors and the Tigers. You know, he's got a real sweet run from round 12, which is amazing. He's $3.60 any time try scorer too on the old top sport. Just having a quick look while you're doing that. Yeah, look, I, I think you're right. I think he's got a softest draw. I think you probably need to compare the prices between Walker and him, though. Um, the tough thing with Walker at the moment, mate, is he's not going to play 13. So you're going to be getting him in low. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter. I think the kid's a gun. He's got, he's got those that um, that Broncos and Cowboys game up, which I really want to. I would, I would, I would really want to play him for. Yeah. Oh, look, fair enough. You can still get Walker in. So it's still definitely an option. My top sport better the week for this one. Dollar sixty-seven. Josh Adokar to score. That's just it's just money again this week. Just get onto that one. But dude, I think Nick 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 Hines two twenty-one. Yeah, that's great as well. Like there there is that much value in this game for Storm. It is absolutely ridiculous. So have a look at the Storm on top sport for this one. There's a lot of good bets for it. But Broncos vs Titans is the next one. Um, now. I just, I don't want to, I'm not going to have a whinge at Kevin Walters because I do it too much. I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to say that we've got a new halves combo of Anthony Milford and Tyson Gamble, and apparently that's going to get the Broncos on the right track. But yeah, that's big changes for the Broncos. I don't see the chopping and changing helping. Jordan Rickey is going to start again. Um, obviously, Pangai Jr. was our spotlight one on market watch. There isn't really much else doing for the Broncos side. For the Titans side, we've spoken enough about... Um, Big David for feeder, but I actually do think for this one that he is a C or VC option. I think that he's earned it with how he's been playing. Probably safer VC option, but I I definitely feel like I need to have a piece of it. My only concern would be a sort of Pengai um, uh, defending right in front of him, so he might not be uh, as easy to get over the top of as Satola, but the fact that he's scoring three a week, well, he's got the young half on that side as well, so... <laughs> I'm assuming there might be three of them jamming up on him. I know that you're big on Corey Thompson and also Brian Kelly, uh, and you're in love with those guys. Both of those guys do play the buy, but, but but they are quite expensive. With you know Corey Thompson now shooting over the 600k price tag mark. Yeah, I think he's still worth it, but um, he's basically he's basically Brian 202.0, mate. If you have a look at his numbers, um, I just pulled it up this afternoon. He's averaging 31 points in pure base and 31 points in evasion. So basically tackle bust, line breaks, line break assists is 31 points a game. So he's averaging 62 without even adding any 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 offloads or any um, already uh, tries. Yeah, he's doing really well, averaging 76 points a game for the year, two tons to his name already. Obviously got the Broncos in a bit of a revenge game against the Tigers. Plays the Bulldogs after the Panthers then too. So, I mean, he's got he's got a really good run of games, as does the, the Gold Coast Titans. You know he had 30 points in tackle bust last it's week? It's crazy, and especially for his size. He's only he's very, very small. 30, 30 points in tackle bust and five line breaks. He didn't even score a try at 110. Um, I had a chat to Wilfred um, yesterday about it because I just wanted his advice. One thing which I didn't even take into account, which uh, Wilfred politely pointed out to me. I, I, honestly, I honestly thought that Kelly was going to be the major beneficiary, and he has been doing really well. But the fact that um, they've been jamming in so tight on for feed just to, just to try and stop him from going over the line, um, I went back and had a look at the replay, but Wilf said, go and have a look at the replay. Basically... The amount of space that, that Corey Thompson has that wide is basically the Grand, the Grand Canyon. He just has a green light. If you go back and have a look, there was one pass from Ash Taylor, which basically he just threw it from 
the middle of the field because Corey was just completely unmarked and just stroll straight through the line, assist, try. Mate, the guy, the, the, there's a reason why he had five linebacks last week. The, the guy just has so much room to move because the defense is so so concerned about Fafita. Yeah, look, Corey Thompson is the third best center wing in the game at the moment on average is 76.1. And Brian Toto at two is only 77.1. So he's only one point behind the second best player. But the drop-off from three, where Corey Thompson is, to four is huge. 76.1 Corey Thompson and Blake Ferguson, four, at 69.1. So a full seven points better than fourth place. He's had a a massive season. But he's going to cost you 600K, Billy. So obviously, you know, we can't get everybody. Brian Kelly's 475K, 125K difference in price. He's gone 64, 32, and 73 in his last three games back. I know that you're going to say, you know, you'd prefer Corey Thompson, but taking into account price, you know, are you happy to let Brian Kelly go for 125k or less for Thompson? Oh, look, if you can only afford um, Kelly 100% um, going, the only reason I'm going Thompson is because I looked at his tackle bust and I thought, that's insane. I just don't need to worry about you know, that, the small risk of Kelly. Um, when I was on the pod two weeks ago, I made a call that um, Brian Kelly is the absolute buy of the week and my number one purchase um, uh, for, the, for the next couple of weeks. And I still, I, no, until I saw a Corey Thompson, I, I mean, I stand by that. Brian Kelly's still a great buy. Top sport bet of the week for this one. Uh, it's a bit of a tough game, I think. Um, I do think that the, I do think the Titans are going to win, but I am going to go for the try scorers, and there is some really good try scorer money to be made in this one. So Billy has said how good Corey Thompson's going. He's a dollar seventy-seven to score in this game. Uh, I think that's phenomenal odds. So I'm going Corey Thompson this week. I'd go all three, mate. I'd just chuck it all up on sort of Thompson, Kelly, and Fafita. Well, that's the thing with Better the Week. You can't really name three of them. You've got to pick one. <laughs> so I'm going to say. That is one. That's a multi. <laughs> well, Panthers versus Eagles. This one's at Carrington Park in Bathurst. Um, Coruscant is returning this week. So he's named a start, which is great for the Panthers. Everything else is the same for the Seagulls. We've got no changes to the side. Obviously, most other weeks, Tom Trevojevic is coming, going to come into V or, or C options, but I don't think that he will this week in this Manly side. I'd, I'd be interested in owning Turbo. Um, I wouldn't be interested in much else here, and I, I don't think that you could see or VC him. But do you see a, a pod option to go against the crowd and just go for a, you know, Turbo is match-up proof and you're just going to throw the C on him anyway and ride the hot streak? I'm just trying to picture it, but I think... A couple of years ago when he was out at Penrith, he did. He had a treble or something or other. Although, I don't think the Penrith team were as good as they are now. So that's a no. <laughs> so, I'm not even... I'm not going to try to... Oh, mate, I just... The hamstring just concerns me. I just... After the Teddy debacle last week, I just can't handle another one. I Look, if you captain last week, I would take it and run. I would leave... I would leave Turbo in your team. Um, but I wouldn't take the risk on him this week. The fact that he was on, what, 15 points, and then I remember thinking, ah, sucked in, guys. You know, he, he reap what you sow. Then all of a sudden you turn around, he's on sort of 50, and there's only 15 minutes, 20 minutes in, and it's kind of, then you have flashbacks going, ah, shit, he's doing what Turbo does. I'd be too concerned about him, him not getting any, any attack versus the Panthers, mate, so no see for me there. On the other side of the fence, we've got Nathan Cleary sitting there. And I think that if it was three weeks ago, 
it would have been a really easy straight C on Nathan Cleary. But because Manly are playing a lot better and have Turbo back, it's probably a bit harder for some super coaches to look at it. Uh, I do think that Cleary's being very overshadowed by how big the fullbacks have gone in the last couple of weeks and also how big David Fafita's gone. I think everyone's forgotten how good Cleary's been. I want to remind everyone briefly for this Manly matchup, his lowest score of the year is 76. Three out of his six games are 100 plus. So he's scoring a ton 50% of the time. And one of the times he didn't was a 96. So against Manly this week, uh, I'm highly, highly considering him as a captaincy option. Um, he has gone big against Manly before with 138 score. And I think that that's probably, oh, I'm pretty sure it's like his fourth biggest score that he's ever scored was against Manly. I like him this week as a C option. I'm heavily considering. I wouldn't do it. Not with the not with the wind down there, mate. The freezing freezing temperature. I know I know it's freezing at sort of Penrith all the time. But I was about to say, have you watched the game at Penrith? But <laughs> I, I know it's going to be freezing cold down there, but I'm not willing to back sort of Cleary away from home with with, with a high wind factor. Yeah, I, I'm 90% going to go Cleary. I think I think that it's a really good matchup for him, uh, and I think that the floor is just really good. Like he he played mainly in round four. And he scored 103 points against him. And that was away at, at um, Lotto Lens. So I'm all over the Panthers to win this one. So I'm pretty strong on Cleary. But top swap better the week on this one. Last week we rode Brian Toe. And I tell you what, it's it's pretty hard not to bet on him to score again playing against Manly. He's gone over last week at, I think it was $1.87 if I remember correctly. And this week his odds are $1.70. So he's coming a little bit, but $1.70 is still really good for Ty to score this week. So I, I really like that one. Um, let's move on to the next game though to try and get through these. We've got Bulldogs and Eels. And this is your team, mate, up against the mighty Bulldogs. And interesting. So we've got unchanged for the Bulldogs. They obviously got a good win against the Sharkies and were a bit more competitive last week. I don't think that either of us have any real big super coach options. Luke Thompson's been heavily purchased, but he scored 57. He's he's probably going to be that type of guy, as we spoke about on last week's podcast. But on the eel side, there's a plethora of interesting options. Isaiah Papali'i has retained his 12 jersey. However, we do have Ryan Madison on the bench, which you know we thought would happen that he would return this week. Whether Madison remains on the bench... You know, we'll have to wait and see. I think there's a good chance that Madison gets put in the starting lineup. I think there's a good chance if he doesn't, he's got one week on the bench and then he's in the starting lineup next week. So I think it is coming. Uh, Madison's on my watch list for the buy because I want to buy him by the time we get around to that. But VC and C options on this one, we're getting a bit later in the round, mate. But Gutherson, I think, has earned it for, for people that own him. Uh, VC even for Sevo if you've got an option afterwards. There's a big balls VC. Uh, you could hope for another 157 points. I, I'm looking pretty hard at those two as an owner. I don't think Gutho goes high enough. I think uh, Suvo, yeah, purely off last week. If the guy goes for a treble or scores four, I think he's probably yeah, yeah, definitely your, um, your pod VC option. Um, and to answer your question, I, I think Maddo does come off the bench. I think Coach just uh, plays Papa Lee sort of 20, 25, 30 minutes on the left and then it's losing, losing to middle when Brown has a rest. Madison comes on. Madison comes on the left. Papa Lee plays out the half, starts the second half, maybe has a bit of a spell and then comes back at the end in the middle. Yeah, I think that Papa Lee will be back on the bench in the next couple of weeks purely because they need him in that middle rotation. I don't think that... I know a lot of people have spoken about Lane going to the bench, but the problem is that Lane doesn't have any impact. Like, he's not a smaller minute 
impact guy, whereas Papa Lee can play 55 minutes in the middle, 50 minutes in the middle, and have a real good impact off the bench. So that was something he was doing really well at the start of the year. But we'll wait and see. Um, I, I kind of agree on Gutherson as far as uh, the VC goes. I don't think he goes high enough for the VC, but I reckon that you could go the straight C. Look at the last five weeks, mate. 87, 81, 74, 103, 124. So I think his scores warrant um, being able to throw the C on him. Um, I agree on the VC, though. Maybe you don't do that because he's not going to go big enough for you to loop and someone like Sevo would. Oh, you don't have to sell me on Guffo, mate. I'm still filthy with our 100 one That didn't come off a couple of years ago. But um, I just prefer him when he's kicking, mate. That's all. Um, I really do like really do like Guffo. I mean, all how King Guffo. Um, uh, he's just one of those guys that just hasn't hasn't got that gives you doesn't give you enough confidence in that X factor for him to go massive. Doesn't have enough of those one massive scores where you go, he's elite. Um, I've got enough confidence to back him for the C. Yeah, look, fair enough. Uh, look, I think he's an option for for some owners. Um, if you want to go there, I don't think anyone could talk you out of it. So tell us what better the week for me on this one. The Eels and Dogs game doesn't have all the markets up yet on Top Sport. I think that um it's been broken by Sebo's tries last week, but. I think you're going to get a dollar fifty plus on Top Sport, and that's going to be money in the bank. Get on to it for Sevo anytime. I reckon. Um, I think that the Eels are going to carve up here, Billy. Though you're going to get a good win. For the next game, we've got the Roosters versus the Knights. So this one's a pretty interesting matchup because um, I think Kalen Ponga has made the Knights a lot better, um, and Fitzgibbon has come back into the extended bench, but they've got an unchanged seventeen for the Knights. For the Roosters, Tedesco got named. Um, I mentioned already, but I think we're going to know pretty early whether he's playing or not because Thursday he's got his protocols to finish if he passes, and uh, Friday they'll have a captain's run. So we should know what's happening, but it looks like he's going to play. Um, on the on the other side of things with injuries, TKO is on the bench. Um, he may come off that bench. It's a decent enough chance that someone like Fletcher Baker comes back onto the bench and he drops out. So it's going to be a bit scary. I'm actually selling um, Takiyaho because of that, you know, benching, the ribs, the 100-odd BE. Um, I think that you need to probably have a look at it. A couple of interesting roosters here, though. A bit of a pod spotlight. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Tupo was going to get cheap and he was going to start scoring tries. I'm really into him as a purchase. In fact, he's one of my considerations this week. Um, scored 75 last week with his try. Has had a really good base, 32 raw base, plus his base base attack. He scored two out of his last three games. And he's right for the picking at 480,000. Um, has that Cowboys and Broncos running 10 to 11 as well. Only problem is that he doesn't play around 13. So he's one of those guys you've got to take a punt on points. I've actually chosen Valentine Holmes over him at the moment. But I do think that Tupo is a bit of a pod play. Uh, and those that held Satili Tupanua, he's started to make money again, um, and he's actually looking like a bit of a downgrade option if if people wanted to to go there. I thought he looked really good on the weekend, and he ended up scoring 84 points with his try, uh, and he's now got a break even of two at 367k. So certainly, if you had someone that you wanted to have a decent draw in the next month and have a downgrade that you could play because you can't afford two guns. Um, Satili, you know, it could be an option there. He does have edges of the Cowboys and Broncos to run out that we said were, were really good ones to be doing that. So uh, a couple of good Roosters options, I reckon, for this one, Billy. Yeah, I couldn't take Satili just purely because of the, the current and those those sorts of blokes um, uh, available. Um, I'm with you on the on the 7-3 quarter, but um, I wanted Holmes um, uh, pre-season, but 
frustrated that he went to the wing with him back at back at fullback. Hundred percent, I would take him over over Tupu. Sam Walker's become a bit of a play each week now. I think that his upside's really good. But now that TKO is on the bench, he's going to be goal kicking like we saw last week. So, would you agree that he's a definite play this week against the Knights? I've played him every week, mate. Yeah, he's got such a good upside, especially when he's goal-kicking. James Tedesco, all of a sudden, if you captain him now, it's going to be a complete pod play. You're not going to get many people that do it. Only 7% captain him last round. Uh, I think you're going to get like 2%, 3% captain him this round because they're going to be filthy and he's going to be traded out as well. Is it a good pod play to consider Tedesco as a captaincy, Billy, or is it crazy because of the run that he's had? Maybe once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> I, I just, ah, uh, look, I, I just think the Fafita matchup is is too good to ignore this week, and that's the only reason. Otherwise, I'd probably have another crack at him. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, you got guys like Fafita that you can VC on and and hope he gets a couple of tries, um, and then loop him. and then go the C Teddy potentially. I mean, I think some people might look at that. I, I do think that. It's, Teddy's always going to be an option, but it is you know a lot more riskier now. The upside is is going to be a pod play. So certainly, if you're trying to catch up in your head to heads, like I think that's a really good good one. If you're catching your head to heads and you need to have a run, and someone else is on like a Cleary or Fafita or something, you know, throw it on Teddy and just go the hail mary. The other thing I was going to say there too is lots of people are running thin too. So if 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 Teddy is out, mean meaning. If Teddy is out, meaning you have to play someone like on a, a Ryan James or someone that's only going to get uh, basically going to be an AE of sorts, it's pro- probably a free stab. So you can VC someone like Feeder for Feeder and then chuck a C on Teddy. And if Teddy is uh, a, la- a late out, then basically you get for Feeder's AE, which it, you get for Feeder's uh, VC, which a lot of people are going to be captaining anyway, and as well as the AE that you're going to get anyway if Teddy's out. So it might be a sort of free stab at Teddy as the captain if you really want to have a crack at him. Yep. Uh, guy that I mentioned last week as someone to keep an eye on for cheapies. Alternative to Simkin, like if you're worried about Simkin scores and stuff, you could pay 250k and have a look at Verrills down the track. Now, Verrills just played his first game. He played off the bench. He... I only played 31 minutes, but he scored 34 points. He's a very talented player. I thought they looked a lot better when he came on. He's been named to start this week. So his minutes are probably going to go up to 50 to 60. And obviously in a couple of weeks, he's going to be looking at his first price rise. Um, I do think he's a consideration because he's going to, he's probably going to score more points than guys like Simkin and stuff. I think that you can probably safely start them for longer. Um, and certainly someone like... Verrill's in a couple of weeks. He's only going to be five or six weeks away from the second buy all of a sudden, and he's going to be playing that, and you can get him for 250k as a downgrade, make some cash on him, um, and get him to play for some decent points. So I'm not going to say that he's going to definitely work out, but I'm definitely going to say that he's an option. To... Top swap bet of the week, Roos's $1.48. Can't get enough of that one. I think it's a pretty easy bet to, to jump on. I th- thought they went pretty well last week, and if Teddy plays, it'll be even better. Warriors versus Cowboys. Now... This one, we've got Roger back at one, thankfully, and Reese Walsh has been moved to six, which is good because we don't have any Bailey Searin and Nathan in the halves. Um, aside from that, they do have Tohu back and Fisatua, so that's going to help some super coaches. Cowboys, we've got Tom Alolo back, which is really going to help them move straight back into the starting 13 spot. Um, so that's going to be 
much improved Cowboy side. Um, I think they played a lot better last week, and now with, with Tom Lolo back, we're going to get to look at him for a couple of weeks to see what he looks like. But I've already given away my hand on this one, mate. Valentine Holmes, I've wanted to own all year. As soon as he moved to fullback, I wanted him. It was just too hard to get him. He's averaging huge points at fullback. He scored 90-odd on the weekend. Uh, in fact, he scored 97 on updates against the Canberra Raiders, 95 the week before. He's now averaging um, 85-odd points, I think it is, while he's been playing fullback for the Cowboys. And he's coming up against the Warriors this week and then the Broncos. Not going to play the bye, but he's one of those exact examples where I'm going to choose points over bye cover when I trade someone in. He's 568000 with a 14 VE. I still think 568000 is okay to spend for Valentine Holmes' goal kicking with what he looks like. He's five games at fullback, a 70, 70, 50, 95, 97. Got two great matchups the next two weeks. I'm bringing him in. Not many other people are, so he's a great pot option, I reckon, for center wing. Oh, I really like him, mate. You don't need to sell me. Um, particularly with those two uh, those two games, I hadn't actually checked his draw, but I, I just I just put it down to uh, plays for the Cowboys. Um, just purely prefer the Titans, like that's all. He's probably number... Uh, I don't know if he's number two or number three in attacking order for me, but put, put it this way, those two Titans on the, on the left edge as well as him, they'd be very close to sort of fighting it out with each other. Probably more so Thompson. Um, Thompson versus uh, Holmes. Yeah, the last game of last season, he moved back to fullback um, a few games before for the Cowboys, and he scored 104 points against the Brisbane Broncos for the final game of the season. So I'm I'm expecting another game around that mark. So I really like him for the Cowboys. For the Warriors, um, I think the people are going to be watching Walsh but shouldn't be buying him, as we said earlier. But obviously, Curran's a big buy, which we spoke about. Uh, other than that, a bit of a pod shout-out. And Matty Person brought this bloke in last week because I played him in our podcast this week and I saw that he brought him in. Big Kent Mamolo. And he scored a, a brace of tries against the Melbourne Storm on the weekend. 91 points. Uh, before that, he's gone 59-56. He hasn't had a great year. He's only averaging 54 for the year. It's what he did last year. But he's doing it with a 32 raw base, which is nice. Um, and he does have a run coming up where he's got the Cowboys, uh, Manly, Parramatta, West Tigers, and then the Cowboys again. 454k, 15 BE. He's going to make money, and he's got a really good draw the next five weeks. So he's a complete pod, big balls one. Um, but he's one that's there in this matchup for the Warriors' back line that he could score a couple of tries. Well, this is a pretty tough one to pick between the Warriors and the Cowboys, um, so I am going to stick to my Mamolo anytime try score a pick because he's been going pretty well in that regard lately, especially against the Storm last week. Can Mamolo to score any time in this game on top sport? Not going to believe the odds, Billy. $1.93 any time. Just one try. Oh, really? Dollar ninety three. Kind of reminds, kind of reminds me of the old Campbell Graham. They go on a, they go on a streak, and they're still for some reason four dollars anytime. Dollar ninety three is fantastic. I, I, I can't see any VC or C options in this one though. Although if you had massive, massive balls, um, or you're in a draft side, um, particularly for draft, I reckon Valentine Holmes could be a good big balls one to throw the C on. Dragons Tigers is the last game. This one I got Ben Hunt returning. Um, Jack Bird moving back to centre, Ramsey back on the wing. Uh, Max Fagai is going to make his NRL debut, which is nice because he's one of my nuffs that I started with hoping he was going to get a run, so I like that. Um, the Tigers the Tigers have made mass changes. So 
Leilua's in the centres. Yusha um, Kamani moves to the bench, so you absolutely have to sell him. Uh, 12 to prop. Joe O to lock. Garner the second row. It's just all over the shop for the West Tigers. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here and say I I made the comment that was pretty disrespectful for the Dragons online in some of the smaller groups where they've got one of the best upcoming draws into the bye coming from any team. Their, their draw is phenomenal. I'm moderately interested in Zach Lomax, but I'm not interested in anyone else really. And even with Zach Lomax, you know, you think this might be a good game to get him in for if you're interested, but he really hasn't been firing. So I've got him below the pecking order, you know, compared to other teams. He scored 25 on the weekend and he's only averaging 55 for the year. He's got a 98 BE at 508K. I, I might buy him for round 13, but I'm going to be waiting. Um, certainly round 12, they play the Tigers again and then the Broncos and Bulldogs. That's sort of the run that I'm kind of looking at. But he's probably the only one that I'm sort of looking for a purchase in the next few weeks, potentially, for the buy. Yeah, same. Um, waiting for that break even to drop and just uh, the remote sort of hint that he's actually going to step up against some of these um, lower-ranked teams. Mate, David Nofaluma. Like, this is about the time where we said a few weeks ago you want to be looking at him. But he's well down the pecking order now. He's not one of the top four centre wings that you can get like he used to be for years. He scored a 50 on the weekend against Manly. He's only scored three tries in his six games. Um, he's coming up against the Dragons and the Titans the next two weeks. But do you think that he's going to start to fire? Or do you think this is more like him? And do you think that he's maybe not as much of an option as we thought from round 13? Because if he was an option, like this would be a week to do it, 550k. No, I think Harry Grant really helped out that team last year, gave him a lot more sort of direction, forward momentum. I think, uh, I think it, it ultimately led to um, him getting getting a few more tries on the right hand side. So he's basically just doing what he normally does, crawling across the field, doing what he can making a few tackle busts and getting his base up, but not, not enough attack to sort of warrant, um, warrant getting him in. I'd, I'd, I'd probably wait a couple of weeks and see if he does anything, but I'd be concerned about carrying for four weeks up until the bye, to be honest. I'm not really as interested as what I would be last year. Yeah, I'm not as interested either, and you were much bigger on him last year than what I was. Um, I don't know what to make of this one. We've got the Dragons on top spot at $1.29 and the Tigers at three sixty. I, I think I'm going to give the Tigers a a 12.5 point start on this one, and you're going to get about a dollar 75 on that. So I reckon that's the best I could probably do on on this game. I think it's I really don't know who's going to win this one. Who have you got in it head to head? I think the Dragons would be would be favourites here for sure. But the way the um, way the old Tigers played against the uh, the Bunnies, mate, I'd it's like like your horse racing, mate. Yeah. I don't like betting on sort of dollar fifty favourites. I'd much rather sort of go for a bit of value. So we, when 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 the games are more evenly matched, I go for value. So I, I'd, I'd probably go Tigers, go Tigers here, mate, just for the value bit. Yeah, it is a huge value bit. They're playing a huge amount, and you know they do tend to alternate what weeks they're playing well, mate. That is the podcast for another week. Always good to have you on, Billy. You seem to manage to jump on the podcast when the Eels have got plum matchups, though. I have noticed that. Mm. It's every week, isn't it? <laughs> Good luck this week, mate. Thanks for jumping on. We'll chat to you again in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for having me, buddy. Always fun. 
thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, as always, do uh, make sure that if you are going to gamble, do so responsibly with Top Sport, but use SC All Stars as your promo code. They'll take care of you. And you can download or stream us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars on Twitter. On there all the time answering questions for you and, and having a bit of banter, which is great fun. Good luck this week with your trades. Make sure that you're looking ahead to the buys because they are coming up quickly. A lot of good captaincy options this week. Can't wait to chat about it. all the results for round eight and looking at round nine next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get